So listen to this. You don't get out of your house, so this maybe won't mean anything to you. But have you ever Dude, heard of the- I know Time Out. I know Time Out. I've, I've read Time Out. So Time Out started in the 60s. You know that? It's from the 60s. It's like been around forever. And it started as like basically a magazine and then a blog, whereas like local markets. But what they're most known for now, have you ever heard of the Time Out Market? No. What is that? Okay, so- They so, do like restaurant stuff, right? Is that- yes. So tell me what you know about Time Out. So I lived in London and I think there I used to pick up timeout and I lived in Boulder, Colorado. And it's like, you know, if you want to see kind of like what new restaurants there are, kind of like get reviews of restaurants. It was like, it's like your friend who's a foodie who will like tell you what's up. Like, oh, you got to check this place out. Oh, it's great. This is a great place for, place for a date. And it kind of, and then they would release it at like, I felt like it a lot, like maybe every yeah. week or month or something. It was like pretty frequently updated. And I think so it's free, I used right? To use it for that. Yeah, it was like free. It was just like sitting around everywhere. And I just, I can visually see that red, it's like a, it's like a red logo, right? Time out. Yeah, so it's a pretty timeless brand. It's been around for a long time. It started in England, actually. So if you lived in London, it was probably most popular there. But basically, in 2014 or maybe 2018, they started doing this new concept called a timeout restaurant or a timeout market. So Google timeout market and you'll see it. But basically, what they do is they went into, I think the first one was in Lisbon, where I was, this is, I went to it in, when I was in Lisbon, but I've gone to it in Miami. They have seven markets now. But basically, what they did was they went to like a touristy place. And they found like the 20 most popular restaurants based off of their blogs and like what all the touristy stuff like, oh, you got to go to Portugal so you can taste the coffee from here, a croissant from here and like some fish from Mm. here. And they basically just created um, a food court like in the middle of the city and they gave 20 restaurants different stalls. And so when you go to this different city, uh, I went to it in Miami. Um, Miami was cool because like, you know, Miami, they say you got to get a Cubano from this place. You got to try the Cuban coffee from this place. Yeah, it's like I'm getting a cab just to go get the sandwich. Yes. And so what they did was they set it up so you can go to this one food court and you could try all of the famous vendors and the famous restaurants. And I went in Lisbon. I went in Portugal. And it was awesome. And it was packed. This place was packed. And Time Out, I like you remember Time Out being this like free thing. And I'm like, that's kind of neat. Like I don't have right. brand affinity towards this. But when I went, this place was jammed packed with young people and like like young hip looking people. And Time Out, I didn't think as a young hip brand. And I started researching this. And so Time Out, they're publicly traded. And their market cap it has been obliterated in the last three years because A, their digital media like went to shit because it was mostly restaurants advertising with them. And B, the way that they a lot of investors thought that they were going to grow and get big was through these markets, which also were basically closed down all of 2020. But they're killing it right now. This place was packed. And so basically, they have a $168 million market cap. In 2019, they did about 70 million pounds in revenue. So what's that? like? Is that times two? Uh, for dollars is that like 130 it was yeah i think i don't know if it's still that so somewhere north but in 2021 they only did 40 million in revenue however 1.3x now uh 1.3x okay so that's they 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 were doing the equivalent of over 100 million dollars in revenue but check this out in 2019 pre-pandemic their timeout markets did 23 million in revenue 2020 only 12 million but they only have seven locations which means each one of these food courts does 3 million in revenue and the reason why so they have them in lisbon miami new york boston chicago montreal dubai and they've got some coming up in Prague and a couple other places. The reason why this is interesting is, A, this is just awesome. I think this is an amazing example of a company that has a digital media presence that's doing a really good job of diversifying. Two, um, this is a really sick business because if they're only in seven markets and they're doing 
yeah, you know, 23 million in revenue. Like there's easily a future where you could imagine 50 or 80 of these in, you know, a variety of like, you know, touristy cities. It's kind of cool, right? Yeah, this is one where the actual experience sounds fucking awesome. And so I kind of want it to be a great business. And I, I bet in actuality, it's like a good business, not a great one. But it's it also okay feels business. like something that kind of anybody could spin up as a side hustle. Um, you know, like if you're in Durham, North Carolina, there's every city has like, you know, 15, 20 spots that are like, oh, the, the ice cream over here and the, you know, the, the the sandwich over here. And oh, you haven't tried the bonbons over here, whatever, right? Like every place has that collection of stuff. And then it becomes kind of prestigious to be picked. And all you're doing is basically making a pop-up tent. That's like a food court. But instead of, you know, Sabaro and Cinnabon, you're putting in like cool hip places right in fact this place should actually just have a cinnabon every four stalls because that's what people really want but you know besides <laughs> that you know i feel like this is a great this is a great little side hustle that i think anybody who's a foodie could create um and do pretty well with i thought it was so fun and when i went there i was like oh this is brilliant and so i ended up going there when i was in portugal i wanted to go there just like every day i'm like let's just go like i'd rather just go here every day it tastes all like a little bit of food i'll spend ten dollars yeah. here tw- and, and i wish we had done this in miami like i would have paid a hundred dollar all you could eat just to like walk through this and be able to grab stuff you know like an all you can eat pass yes it, it's it's awesome and i went to this and i realized how much fun i had i went to i did the one in miami too um i would i'll totally do the one in new york but i thought this was such an interesting basic simple concept and they pulled it off and it was really fun and i think that this is actually I think it's. I don't know if this could be an amazing business. I think that time out though, they could be worth over a billion dollars in the next two years once they like open up. Right now, they're only worth one sixty eight. Um, that's pounds, so it's like two hundred million. Um, like a stock tip. I think. I feel like we got a stock tip here. I'm not saying that. <laughs> Sampar is flashing the buy signal hard. Analyst Sampar projects timeout. I, I want this to get aggregated by like some random Reuters, you know, like, you know, Motley Fool is going to like turn this into into a uh, article here. All right. And then I forgot to tell you this, but this is the most important thing. Uh, I can't believe we didn't talk about this earlier, to be honest with you, because if you're listening to this and you like what you're hearing right now and you haven't gone and subscribed to the My First Million podcast wherever you get your podcast, then that's the thing you've got to do. There's nothing more important than doing that right now. And don't do it because I said to do it. Do it because you want to do it. Do it because that's who you are. Would you buy So, uh, would you buy any Russian stocks right now? They're getting crushed, obviously. No, just because like I'm not I don't want to make I don't want to like try to make money off this opportunity. I know that's kind okay. of like off brand, but you know. <laughs> I'm on board with that. I'm on board with that. But let's like let's say beyond that. Let's say like right. you act let's say you're Russian and you're actually in favor of this war and you're just crazy and you're and do you think that would you have faith in the Russian stock market? Well, a lot of these were getting close to zero. Like uh you know, like like, like real businesses were like dropping you know, 50, 70, 80%. And so, yeah, you know, you're getting tremendous value. So if you're a citizen there and you're a believer and, you know, you don't want to be in the local currency anyway. So you need to, you'd rather, if you just told me you can either stay in the ruble or you can take your ruble and turn it into something else, I'm going to always take something else. And their options on something else got cut off. Like, okay, you can't get dollars. You can't get crypto. You can't get, you can't get different things. So what are you going to buy? And, um, you know, because so, they were limited in many ways across those. Some, like there was like you know they they stopped the amount of rubles you could sell, and so you know if you could get into stocks, hey, it's better than better than staying in in the uh, in the paper. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I wouldn't buy a Russian company just for the same reasons that you said. But we did the episode on the oligarchs, and that was like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity where Russia was going from communist to somewhat capitalist. And in my head, I'm like, oh, this might be another one of those opportunities right. where you could like buy like the equivalent of Exxon in Russia, which hopefully, likely won't go, or I don't care about hopefully, but it likely won't go away, but you could get like a, a huge discount. All right. Um I got a couple of things for you, but first, did you see this thing about the right wing site that went viral? Which one? Uh, okay, so check out this. I, I wrote this thing on the on our dog. Right wing site goes viral. It's a link to a tweet. So this guy Jed Legum, which is just a got to be a fake name, uh, Jud Legum. He says a far right website launched thirty six days ago, and it's already more popular on Facebook than the Washington Post. The DC Inquirer has executed an audacious scheme to manipulate Facebook's algorithm an ad platform and meta is letting them get away with it. And so basically the article talks about um, this publication that was created. So let me, uh, um, it's called the DC Inquirer and they'll have articles that are like, you know, um, the, you know, like whatever the freedom convoy is on the verge of victory in Canadian provinces. Right. And they will get a bunch of people to post about it. And what they showed was that, um, and so they and so they got like all these right wing pages that are like impeach Joe Biden or I love America, keep Texas red, uh, save America. And they were all posting the same thing. And so that should be kind of like a it's basically like a coordinated kind of like ad campaign or whatever. And it started to get really, really big. So the page, um, this guy, Brandon Gill, created the page and, you know, it has like, I don't know, over a million, um, you know, like a million followers or something like very quickly. And it's all run under this like uh yeah it's basically like this this right wing thing that got popular now you've told me about this before which is that cons- extremely conservative or extremely liberal sites will get very popular very quickly especially on facebook but and i was pretty in, in, here, uh, surprised to see this yeah there's a but here liberal site like yeah obviously polarized on one side as well conservative does significantly better because this is a principle that is always true, which is a group of people that feel downtrodden, like feel like they're underdog. They band together and they get in an outrage does more for sharing. And right. in America, so there's like groups like minorities, women, um, a lot of like far right conservatives, because media is typically left. They think, you know, our voice is being stomped out. And so they band together. So if you go to HuffPo and you go and look at the comment section and then go to Breitbart and look at how many comments, if you go to, have you ever been to Breitbart.com? Yeah, I've been there. Go to Breitbart and just like click a random article and look how many comments. Sometimes it's 20,000 comments. It's crazy. So I totally believe it with this website. And I'm, by the way, I'm looking up um, DC Inquirer. I Googled it. I don't see a website. Is it literally just a... so basically, it looks like what he's done. He's basically created like a web of like accounts that are kind of all the same. So for, so basically, it's like there's the guy's personal account. This guy, Brandon Gill. And his bio is like, you know, I'm the founder and editor of DCInquirer.com. So that's the that's the URL. Uh, DC Inquirer with a, it's a e, E-N-Q. Um, and it's like his bio is Patriot, period. Proud West Texan, period. Businessman, financer, rancher, conservative, Christian, Dartmouth, husband, 
<laughs> it's like bingo you know you get you hit all the words congratulations yeah. <laughs> by the way sam you are also rancher yeah, you're also like, husband i like most all those things proud did texan put, yeah did he patriot put, is Business he also man. a fan of a uh, fan of corn dogs because this guy's like perfect <laughs> like right. corn dog aficionado you may have a best bud here in the, in the yeah. waiting <laughs> so, so then, you like tupac think, too <laughs> so then he's got like basically a whole bunch of other pages so i think red wave i love america all those pages i mentioned i think those are his pages so they've all been built up like ones at a million ones at six hundred fifty thousand, ones at two hundred thousand, and he's running ads that were, are like if you go look at brandon gill's ads in the ad library uh so if you've never done this before by the way it's amazing like one of the best tools available to any internet person is if you go to facebook.com and then you or just Google Facebook ad library, and then you can look up the ads of any brand, what ads they're running. So if you look at the brands he's running, it'll be like a picture of Joe Biden uh, is like talking at a rally, like kind of confronting somebody. And it says, if you want Joe Biden removed from office, tap the big thumbs up in the right corner. And so it's like, you know, it's clearly like running political ads that are not marked as political ads, basically. So this guy's point was like, oh, they're he's getting away with it. You know, Facebook, you know, you need to shut this down. What I thought was interesting was, Dude, this would be an amazing little prank. Like if I'm mischief or I'm just like someone out there with like a shithead with too much time on their hands, here's what I would do. I'd basically do the same thing. I'd make a extremely conservative uh, site and I would put out some articles and I would get the traction and I would do this for like two months. And then the third month, I would just pull the rug on everybody and I would just switch to an extremely liberal LGBTQ website with the same email list. And this, I would just switch everything overnight once I which, get all these people subscribed. Which just for sure them. would make the news. Um, there's yeah, this. And, then, and then that story of the prank pulled would create a new cycle of its own. And then you could basically go get any job you want in any marketing, PR or whatever agency because you could be like, yeah, I just, I did this. Like, so instead of sending your resume out and cover letter, like, do a stunt that shows your knowledge of how the internet works, how media works, how PR works, how marketing works. And, um, you know, you'll impress a lot of people with your ability to like pull off a stunt like that. That's actually how Buzzfeed started too. uh, mm -hmm. was Jonah Peretti would, was pulling stunts like this. I think he did it with, with uh, Nike, Nike. Yeah. What was it again? I don't remember exactly, but he uh, basically said it, he revealed like an, a, a fake Easter egg. So he said, like, I think it was like, if you do something with this pair of shoes, something happens, something like no, that. No, 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 no. It was it was an email thing. It was like a sweatshop thing. OK, so here's what it is. Oh, so he goes to Nike had this feature personalized ID where you could like write your name. I, I don't know if you did this. I did this. I got my name yeah, on, yeah, yeah. on my shoes. I thought it was so cool. He goes. So he writes an email, uh, you know, from from Jonah Peretti to Nike ID personalized at Nike.com. He goes, greetings. My order was canceled because my personal Nike ID does not, but my, oh no, my, my order was canceled, but my Nike ID does not violate any of the outlined uh, rules um, in your message. So <laughs> the personal ID on my custom shoes was the word sweatshop. Sweatshop is not a name of another party's trademark, the name of an athlete, blank, or profanity. I chose the ID because I wanted to remember the toil and labor of the children that made my shoes. Could you please ship them to me immediately? Thanks and happy new year, Jonah Peretti. <laughs> and so then he sent that. Obviously, that's not going to go viral as an email, but he screenshots that and started getting it and put it out there. And then that got like kind of like a big news storm uh, going. And he was doing stunts like this before creating BuzzFeed and kind of showed this guy knows how to make the internet, you know, how to tickle the internet. And he, uh, he, he, he did it well.
One of my favorite things to watch on YouTube is these videos where people will do one of two things. They'll go, it's usually always political stuff, and they go to someone and they say, isn't this outrageous? This person said this thing. And they'll read what that person said and go, you don't agree with that, do you? And they go, oh, no, I don't agree with that at all. Like, I'm a conservative. I, there's no way I would and be like, oh, well, this is what Donald Trump said. Uh, or like, you know, like they'll do something like that. Well, they'll like make you disagree with something yep. that you whatever. And then they'll do or they'll do it and they'll say, do you agree with this? And they'll read out like um, a speech from Hitler. And right. they're like, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I'm like, oh, Hitler said so. It's not, it's, 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 and it's actually not that fair to do that. But well, it they is also hilarious. go to 100 people, and 96 have like a normal reaction, and then the four that fall for it, it's like they stitch those together, and it just makes it look like everybody at this Trump rally feel is dumb and makes this mistake. And it's like they kind of make New Yorkers or rally, you know, participants or teens like or millennials on college campuses. They'll make them look like idiots because they'll. Right. All you got to do is you talk to enough people. You're going to catch five people who fall for the, the trick. Right. It's like Borat. Right. Like uh, when he does these tricks or these stunts, they do go viral and they do make, you know, the other party look bad. But they don't show you all the people that didn't fall for it and don't believe that and didn't say something stupid in response. 